The idea of this podcast is simple, discipleship. We want to bring the gospel message about how to interact with your coworkers, your culture, your friends, everyone around you in a biblical way, which is, in essence, discipleship. What did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He took the devil's stuff. The Bible actually teaches that the world is becoming increasingly covered with the knowledge of the glory of God. That should change everything in the mind of a Christian. Instead of thinking about all the ways society is failing, we should think about all the ways society must be, as Psalm 1101 tells us, put underneath the feet of Jesus in victory. The Rebel Podcast. We would be honored if you would join us. Rebel Podcast. Pooty. P Nate, Garage Mahal, Wetsy on the dials. How you doing today, Nate? Hey, I'm doing great, man. How are you? Pretty good. You're still rocking the mustache. Still got it. Still got the mustache. So here's the thing. I'm doing a wedding in uh, just a couple of weeks, and it's with our good friend, Jared Petman, who deserves a shout out. He's a huge fan. He sends our podcast even to people who never want to listen to it. <laughs> so we appreciate that about you, Jared. But he was my inspiration for it, and I'm doing his wedding not too far from now. So he actually said to me, dude, can you keep the mustache at least until the wedding? So at the very least, it's sticking around till after Jared's wedding. All right, there's a closing date on this. Yeah, well, the closing date was already that when I first shaved my beard off, my daughter cried and Quinn asked if I could grow it back by her birthday. So her birthday is in September. So I did tell her that I would grow it back for them, which is fine, right? I mean, my chin hadn't seen the light of day in six years. (laughs) So, So it's getting some much needed vitamin D. But I would just say that In a perfect world, you have a beard for the winter and you can go clean shaven or even better, mustachio during the uh, the summers. I wish I didn't have a baby face because I would probably do the scruff, I think, in the summer. Yep. Rather than the beard, I look like a child. And all of my authorities derive from my beard. (laughs) (laughs) The thing that's funny, though, is that you have a a bunch of people who, when I say that to, is just like, oh, I'll grow it back for the winter. People will say things like, well, yeah, but when you grow a beard, you want to grow it for a while. Like you want to grow a big beard for several years or whatever. And it's just like, if you can't grow a beard in one winter, you shouldn't be growing a beard. Yeah, I, I think they <laughs> underestimate the fact that your hair, grow, like you get a haircut and you need a haircut the next week. Like, that is true. That is true. Like you have, this is the most lame thing I've ever said, but you have luscious hair. Like it grows out like really thick. Thank you. So Thank you. like no homo. No <laughs> We have mutual friends. We were at the uh, Church at War conference, and, and there were some pictures of my mullet that were circulating in the conference. And it was both embarrassing and also feeding my ego all at the same time. It was uh, delightful. When you grow the beard back, though, you should go back to the shaved head. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting sick of the longer hair. I, I actually don't really love the long hair. Colleen does, so she that's that's fine. She she also likes the beards though, though. So I should have one thing that she likes at a time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So we are gonna wrap up our our marriage series today. So we did a Q and A last week, and I know there are some questions that came in after that, wishing that we had have advertised that there was a, going to be a Q and A. Questions just come in, guys. If you ever have questions, just send them to us. And if we like your question, then we will answer it. Sometimes on air, sometimes not, but we'll always get back to you. And if we don't like your question, then we won't answer it. But and you'll <laughs> you, never hear from yeah. us again. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, just kidding. We thought we'd end with sort of not a lighthearted episode because I'm sure we're going to get into some profound things. But we wanted to finish this off by uh, Doug Wilson wrote a great book called How to Exasperate Your Wife. 
And it was sort of that what not to do. And so in sort of that vein, we want to give you a bunch of rules on how to destroy your marriage. <laughs> so the idea here is we're going to give you a whole bunch of ideas of what not to do. But by doing so, we're going to be talking about just some, I guess it's really kind of just practical things in marriage. If you want a really bad marriage, do these things. If you want a really good marriage, then do the opposite. Is that fair? Sounds like a great time. I'll start us off with the idea that if you want to ruin your marriage, one of the easiest ways to do that is by going to bed without resolving conflict. Go to bed angry at one another. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, Ephesians talks about don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil a foothold. And so the idea of a foothold, you think about that, is getting your foot wedged in the door. It's really hard to close a door where there's a foot wedged in. And so what Paul's obviously saying in Ephesians is that that actually gives the enemy a foothold into your marriage, into your life, into whatever. Going to bed angry is the best way to ruin a marriage because what happens is when you're angry, you don't sleep well, right? It's a restless sleep. And let's be honest, everything that's going through your head, how many couples, they fall asleep, upset with one another, with their inner dialogue just running through their minds. Well, why would he have said that? Why didn't he say this? Why doesn't he love me? Why doesn't this? I wonder who he is thinking about. And then from his perspective, you know, thinking through like, well, why did she reject me again? Why did this? Why did that? And so all of that inner dialogue. So one of the best ways to ruin your marriage is go to bed angry, and that sort of spins off by another great way to ruin your marriage is don't vocalize the stream of consciousness going through your head. Don't say the things that are going through your head. Just let your inner dialogue run and vent about and talk bad about your spouse. And this happens way too often. We talk about this all the time just in terms of taking thoughts captive and, and all that kind of stuff is when you listen to yourself more than you talk to yourself, you're in for a world of hurt. Not going to sleep angry is a huge thing. We've all done it, right? Like. Yep. The other thing about that is you can't go to sleep sort of angry either. It's Oftentimes really we have that thing where I'm still mad at you, but I just don't want to go to sleep angry. So I'm going to pretend I'm apologizing. Right. No, but no. I'll bring it up tomorrow. Exactly. <laughs> like this is coming back in three weeks when I ninja your brain. You have to resolve it. Because like at the end of the day, as men, and I'm talking strictly to the men here, because I think I would say if there's a problem with your spouse at the moment, a conflict or something that needs to be arised, it's your responsibility to take care of it. Yeah. So great way to ruin your marriage. Don't take responsibility, men. But do what Adam did. The woman that you gave to me, I'll blame God, I'll blame her, but I won't blame myself. Exactly. What's better, losing an hour or two of sleep or resolving the conflict in a healthy, in a way that when you do go to rest, you actually rest them because it's, you're at peace now. So like, think of sleep, like sleep is a recharge. It's a mini Sabbath that we have every single day. God has given us sleeping. He's given us that time to recharge so that we can do his work tomorrow. What we can't go into tomorrow is with unresolved sin between us and that's why we st- we start every one of our service with a time of confession. Yeah, not that we need to be positionally sanctified before God; He's justified us, but we still confess so that there's nothing between the communion. Yep. That's the same thing that needs to happen when when you go to sleep. You can't go into tomorrow with today's baggage weighing you down, or else you know what's going to happen? You're going to get busy tomorrow, and then all of a sudden it's six months, and there's you don't even remember what the lingering. But there's resentment. There Ex- is resentment. Yeah. Exactly. Get in the habit of you do not go to sleep until I'm sorry has been said and forgive me and reconciliations happen. And you know what, man, the more you practice this, the more you chip down that wall that gets built up between you, the more she's going to topple it over every time you start coming into the room to to apologize or whatever, she's going to push the wall over. Yeah, that actually, sorry, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but it just ties in nicely so you can continue your thought on this is another great way to ruin your marriage is always wait for the other person to say sorry first. 
Absolutely. <laughs> like how many times do we sit there and we're just like, well, I'm not going to apologize for my sin because she's 90% wrong and I'm only 10% wrong, right? Yeah, I, I don't think, even know what I did here. Yeah, that's right. I think the moment the conviction of the Spirit comes upon you and you recognize that you've done something, even if it is only 10% of the argument, right? You have something to apologize for. And so the moment you feel the conviction of the Spirit, Martin Luther said it is a dangerous thing to ignore one's conscience. Don't ignore your conscience. It's telling you that you have something to apologize for because 99% of the time that that happens is one of you softens to the other and asks for forgiveness and it causes the other person to soften as well. It tears down those walls. It chips away, like you were saying. Absolutely. When you're going to ask for forgiveness for things, you kind of said it like you might be only 10% guilty, but you can repent and ask for forgiveness for the things you didn't even say. Apply that principle of like the, and I'm not telling you to, uh, to repent of things you haven't done. I'm saying like, yeah, don't all lie those, to your wife. Yeah, all those thoughts in your brain where you're just like, shut up or whatever you're, you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Repent and be like, baby, I was thinking these things when I said that. Please forgive me for even my heart condition towards you during that argument. I think one way men can ruin a relationship is apologizing for or Something asking they didn't do. for stuff they didn't do. Totally. But I think there's a danger there too. But we can apply the beatitude idea of like, truly, I say, if you even look at a girl, like you, we can apologize for even things that are in our hearts that we didn't even vocalize. Yep. And be slow to speak yes. in those situations. Like, we need to be the, the leader in self-control and in being clear-minded, sober-minded. So when tensions start to get heated, we need to be the de-escalating factor at all times. If you want a marriage to have difficulties that it doesn't need to have, escalate it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like be the guy who's escalating. Always bring it up a notch. Yeah. Like always <laughs> take that up, take that up. One, like, yeah. no, like we need to be the ones. And I know it's hard because like I can be a fiery guy sometimes. Yes, you can. You're like a internal ginger. <laughs> That might be the best description of you ever. <laughs> I am Irish. So but in the marriage, like we can never be the one that is driving the argument unless we're driving it towards like repentance. You know what I mean? So right. yeah, internal yeah. ginger. <laughs> so smoking. Just to go along with that, you had mentioned like, I don't think husbands should apologize for things that they don't do. Let me just paint a scenario of a great way to ruin your marriage. <laughs> and here it is. So she gets upset for nothing. Okay, let's just say it's her birthday or it's Mother's Day. You wake up first. She's still asleep. And you know you have to go to work that day or whatever. So you get up and you go and you have a shower, knowing that the moment she wakes up, you're going to give her your card and or, you know, give her a kiss and tell her what a great mom she is or whatever, whatever the case is. And so you come out and she's kind of stirring in bed and sitting up or whatever, looking at, uh, at something. And uh, you come over and say, oh, happy Mother's Day. And she is clearly cold with you. She's clearly upset with you. Now, here's the problem, is that that's an unreasonable response to you, right? It's unreasonable for her to be upset with you. But here's what often happens in marriages. Then he gets a little upset that she's upset, right? Now, it's a nothing fight. It's entirely her being too sensitive and making a mountain out of a molehill, making an issue where there is no issue. And yet what he is going to end up doing is he's going to get frustrated. He's going to tell her she's too sensitive. He's going to yell at her. He's going to ice her out. And now it becomes a game about who talks to who first because now they're both getting the silent treatment or whatever. Well, now he genuinely has something to apologize for. Okay. So in that case, he actually does need to go and repent for his reaction to her, but he ought not to repent for the thing that wasn't actually a sin. Right. So he doesn't go back and then repent for everything. That is the temptation, right? Just to smooth all things over, he'll repent for even what wasn't a sin. Now, 
here's what might be going on in her sinful heart, because she's also a sinner as well, is she might, along the course of recognizing that she was being unreasonable, now suddenly what she's going to do is she's going to hold out until he gets upset. So now he does have something to apologize for, and she's going to read into his apology also the apology that justifies her initial behavior, right? (laughs) And I think that this happens more often than we think. I know that's a silly scenario, but things like that happen all the time. And so all I would say is, Making nothing fights is a great way to ruin your marriage. Getting upset about stupid things. I remember early on, one of the first things that Colleen and I, which way do you put your toilet paper on? Just out of, out of curiosity. The right way. With which is? Hanging over the front. Okay. Down. I didn't know there was a right like, way. I didn't know there was a right way. Yeah. See? And I, I change people. When I go into, <laughs> if I go into somebody's bathroom and they have it on coming under, All right. I flip it over. So you're like, a woman. But (laughs) I'm just kidding. But I think naturally I put it on the other way because why would I want it like dangling out when it can be closer to the wall? I think just naturally I put it out the other way. But when I got married, I was told that it was the wrong way. Now, here's- Because it is the wrong way. (laughs) Fair enough. Like my wife, you believe that something (laughs) arbitrary, no. I remember Colleen and I just made a joke of it because then I would obviously just trying to agitate her a little bit, put it on the other way just so that she would have to go in and and that sort of thing. That was playful. That wasn't sinful. Don't worry about that. But my my point in saying all that is some of these kinds of silly little things become actual fights for people, right? So that leads to another great way to ruin your marriage is to be oversensitive right? Be easy to offend. If you want to have a terrible marriage, be very easy to take offense. That's a great way to have a terrible marriage. I would say 100%. Insecurity (laughs) is one of those things. I think along with pride, I think insecurity is, and I think they're linked very, very closely. I think insecurity in in men is one One of the the most ugly qualities there is in men. Yeah, I I would say it's, I would say it's rampant in our society. And it's one of those things that we have to be actively putting to death. You can't have it in in your relationship. If you're insecure about the toilet paper, for instance, you use that the analogy, that can play itself out because if you let that fester, that can play out to where is she right now? Yeah. And like yeah, like yeah. who's she with when she goes out with her friends? Is she really with her friends? Yeah, like yeah. even if there's nothing there, because the one that I was going to throw out is like is always assume the best is I was going to say in terms of like if so you say always assume the worst is the best way to ruin your marriage I, we're getting yes. off our topic yes, yeah, yeah sorry um, that's a <laughs> stay way. on theme Chris but like I would say like put to death insecurity yeah. and all those things and you do that by not taking offense to oh your wife decided to buy pink flowers instead of red flowers and you like red flowers better. If, if the dude really cares that much about the color of the flowers, we got bigger problems going on. <laughs> most <laughs> likely. You know saying, yeah. Most likely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, well, yeah. I, how, how this would, the most prevalent way this plays out is men, this is us. You try to, you know, have the, the special time in the evening on Tuesday or whatever. <laughs> I like how after like, our really explicit <laughs> third episode in this series, now you're calling it special time and giving air quotes. But air, okay. I, yeah, <laughs> and she's not into it. Yeah. So what happens is men get oversensitive yeah, about it and then, and then they pout all weekend, but they try to like, you know, they don't pursue again on Wednesday. They don't try again yeah. on Thursday and they wait and all of a sudden it's, it's the next Tuesday. Now they're bitter. Yeah. And now it's like when they try again, maybe she actually does have a headache that night or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then she says no again. And all of a sudden now you've, you've been three yeah. weeks and like there's anger and, and resentment because you're just, in, you're just too insecure just to be like, oh, okay, I'm just going to try again tomorrow. And be fine with it. That leads to something on both sides. So I would say a great way for men to ruin their marriage is to stop pursuing their wives, right? Feeling like the thrill of the chase is gone and therefore I don't need to try anymore. Or to like, 
you know, you don't like getting rejected every every once in a while and therefore you sulk and whatever. Or you take on that mentality of like, she knows I'm always in the mood. So just tap me on the shoulder when you're, you know, and that's a great way to just lead to a horrible sexless marriage. But I would also say on the other side, like women, if you want to ruin your marriage, just be uninviting and unresponsive to your husband's pursuit, right? If you want to ruin your marriage, a good way to do that is to not be receptive, to turn the cheek when he goes to give you a kiss, right? To kind of push away a hug, just those kinds of things. And actually, do you want to say anything on that before I throw out another one? So another way to (laughs) to ruin your marriage is by uh, either giving backhanded compliments or by not receiving compliments. So by backhanded compliments, like have you ever got one of these, Chris, by somebody? But it's, it's obviously worse when it comes from your wife. But if you've got one of these, it's like, man, you did a really good job up there. I didn't think you'd do so well. Right? <laughs> like, or like, oh, wow, that was really articulate, Chris. Like you don't normally explain yourself very well. I'm, right? I'm, like, the, I'm, I'm surprised you did so well. Yeah, like, like those are the kinds of like horrible backhanded compliments of like, you know, oh, wow, Chris, the front lawn looks really good. Normally you butcher it. Right? Like, <laughs> Like all like, of my childhood is coming <laughs> flashing before my eyes. You say a few to me too. Yeah, it's just on one side of Chris. But those are the kinds of like give a backhanded compliment, right? Or kind of in the similar vein is don't receive a compliment. So wives, if your husband says to you like, "You look beautiful today," wow, you never say that, right? Don't don't say that. Just receive the compliment, or don't be like, "Yeah, right, I do." Right? Yeah, don't don't say that. If he's telling you you look beautiful, he's telling you you look beautiful. So receive the compliment, say thank you, and choose to believe him, right? And don't be like, "Oh, he just wants special." What Chris? Chris spe- <laughs> Pootie's special time tonight. <laughs> I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> So receive compliments, right? Receive compliments because I think there there are plenty of women out there who I do this in marriage counseling and we talk about expectations and, and so women are like, I want you to compliment me. And then when they do, oh, you look really great in those pants or, oh, you you know, your hair looks really good. I just noticed you did that. You got that done. Dinner was really delicious tonight. And then women don't know how to receive the compliment and they're basically discouraging their husbands to give them, right? So Yeah, I would say from the woman's side, a way that can irritate a man into stopping doing some of the, is to fish for them. Like, yeah. like if you're always asking for like, do I look good today? You know what I mean? Like if you're not giving us time to actually ag- say it, see yeah. it, acknowledge it and, and say it. Yes. We're going to say it. No man in the history. I don't think has ever turned to me like, now nah, you look terrible right now. Yes. Those pants make you look fat, <laughs> which means when we do pay the compliment, it's just because you've asked for it. So therefore it's not an authentic compliment, which means when we actually do notice, cause like hopefully men do notice eventually they they say it, it means something. So I would link that to another way to ruin your marriage from a man's perspective is not being attentive, not being observant. Women are, are far more likely to do things like change their hair, change their clothes. We should be our spouse's biggest study. We should know what's their love language. What's their, what are the things they like? How do they receive communication in terms of like, if, you know, if I spend a day working on the yard outside, does that, translate to her understanding how much I love her. You know what I mean? Like, or is she going to think I like that? So little things like that. If you want to ruin your marriage, don't be attentive. Don't pay attention to those things. Don't pick up the cues, which means when she changes her hair, you should be the first one to notice. And if you're not, get off your butt and start paying attention. You know what I mean? Because like God's blessed you with her. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good one. I, I would say there's another way to ruin your marriage. Stop thinking about your wife as a blessing from the Lord. This is yeah. why we get so many men who are 40 and they start looking at 25 year olds and wishing that they were trading up for a younger model or whatever that 
those stupid sayings are is because we you've ceased to think of your wife as the blessing that God's given you when she's 35, 36, 37. Right. And stop loving her for who she is now, not who she was when you married her at 22 or 23. Yeah. Can I just tell you a little thing that you're Please always... Do. I hate when men say, I've never seen a, a woman more beautiful than she was on her wedding day. Because what that actually is, it's like the backhand yeah. comment. It's basically saying like, that was the pinnacle of your life. Yeah, it's all been downhill from here, like, babe. Like, I wish you didn't have three kids because like yeah. your hips don't look like they do anymore. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. And it's like... I know what you're trying to say, but it actually communicates something totally different and reverse. Like I hate when men say my better half and it's just like, mm. no, no. Cause that you, you just basically called your wife stupid because she couldn't pick somebody who was better than you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like you just like, you basically insulted her intelligence. Like, I can't believe she, like you should say things like I won her. I'm so shocked that I was able to conquer her. Right. It's, Somebody's texting me right now being like, conquer? Come on. Yeah, <laughs> <But> that's rapey. <laughs> yeah. that's rapey. I know people. So this actually reminds me of, we've both read and we would recommend to all of our listeners a great book by C.S. Lewis called Out of the Silent Planet, yes. which is the first of the uh, Ransom Trilogy, which is an amazing trilogy. It's actually called the Space Trilogy if people start oh, yeah, to look yeah. it up online. Yeah, but... It um, should be called the Ransom. Trilogy. Yeah, it should be. But uh, because that's uh, Dr. Ransom is the main character. Out of Silent Planet, he goes to Mars and he meets the first Harasa that he meets, which is how I say that. I don't know how you... How I have you, no idea. The name was Hoy, right? Yep. Of the first Harasa that uh, Dr. Ransom meets, which is sort of his friend. So the whole idea is out of the silent planet. So, so in the trilogy, you come to find out that Earth has fallen. It's Orasa, I think. I might be getting some of these names wrong, fell. The whole idea is like Earth is bent, right? There was a fall there, right? A creation fall, much like the biblical narrative. But when they go to Mars, it's an unfallen world, right? So there's three different, there's the Sorin, there's the Harasa, and anyway, there's three different types of uh, species on Mars. You're laughing at me, but you know all this. I've read the book, but You're just wondering where I'm going with this? Yeah, I'm just like... Okay, (laughs) okay, here it is. So do you remember the conversation when Dr. Ransom is with Hoy, the Harasa, on the river, and he's asking him questions? That's why that background was necessary, because it's an unfallen race, right? And within this unfallen race, he's kind of saying like, well, you know, tell me a little bit about your culture. And he's saying, well, you know, we grow old and there's a period where we mate and during that mating season, all that kind of stuff. And, and so Ransom asks, well, aren't there Harasa who want to mate outside of the allotted time? And he just doesn't understand yeah. because he's like, he's an unfallen being, right? He doesn't have a sin nature. And so he doesn't compute. Basically, he's asking if a man leaves his wife or if a man seeks to, to mate outside of the, the time or whatever. And Hoy has this, this amazing where he talks about how every experience has three phases to it. There's the anticipation of it. There's the experience of it. And then there's a looking back and enjoying it in the sort of nostalgia of it. Mm. And so I just say that to say, I think what men who get caught up in the idea of like they're 50 years old and they're still looking at 20 year olds because they're watching pornography. And that's a whole other, we'll, we'll talk about that maybe after this is because what they don't understand is that they are meant to see pleasure and everything in a 20 year old, but it's because he was supposed to be married at 20 and he's supposed to be remembering the time of his youth. And yes, you can look back on that fondly when you guys were young and fit and all that kind of stuff, but you should look at your wife in the present 
with an appreciation that she has borne you children, that you've grown old together. Like the fact that she's 20 years removed from your wedding day is a glorious thing because it means there, there have been 20 years that God has kept you two together and that you've grown old together and you know each other more and all that kind of stuff. So I just say that to say like, I think sometimes men don't understand how God intended this to work. You are meant to get married young to delight in the wife of your youth. Scripture says that. But you are also meant to delight in the wife that God gives you when you're 40, 50, 60. And it's not because it's a different wife who's still 25. It's because you are meant to look back on those times fondly and remember them differently than what your current experience is. But it actually equips you to appreciate your present more because you appreciate the past. Does that make sense? 100%. Yeah. See, I knew I was going somewhere with that. There's, there's an interesting thing about the idea of, like, imagine trying to explain sin to somebody who has no sin nature. Yeah, that's, that, like, that's like, why that book is so like, fascinating. It's like that whole, I, like, that's what I remember from that, like, conversation. You, your mind works different where you can remember specifics. Or <laughs> That's the one thing I remember, just, like, imagine trying to explain the fall to somebody yeah, who has never experienced design. sin. Yeah, that's right. Right? Like, it's just crazy. So uh, that leads to, uh, honestly, probably we, one we of the... We probably lo- lay off, like, five or six, like, clear ones, like, yeah. porn. Yeah, you know? like, b- best way to ruin your marriage, quite frankly, is watch pornography. It decreases your libido. It decreases your, your testosterone, therefore your manhood. It makes you unappreciative of the wife that God has given to you. It gives unrealistic expectations of what a woman's body should look like because they've been cut and mutilated for that should I go on, right? Like, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's one of the best ways to ruin your marriage. So if you want a good marriage, stay away from porn. And if you are currently involved in pornography, go get help. Get out of that. That is a grotesque sin. Yeah, it's. I would say it's, if just as harmful or or more harmful than abusing alcohol, abusing drugs, because it does does all the same things to to your brain. I would say here's one that people probably haven't thought of. Best way to ruin your marriage is bros before hoes. Like that idea of like <laughs> the idea that your best friend is still your best friend the day after you say I do is a fallacy. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and how many guys do we know? It's just like their closest relationship is still with their buddy down the street or their neighbor or whatever. It's like, no, no, that's not how this is supposed to work. In fact, like as a marriage increases, your friends get put further down the, the totem pole. Yeah. We hung out way more before you were married and we hang out way less now that you've had kids, and that's not a bad thing. Right. Like, because Quinn, Judah, Harper, take priority. That's And even when we do hang out, more often than not, you're chasing my kids around. <laughs> and <laughs> and you and I sitting, um, sitting around talking about nerdy stuff. But I mean, like, that's the healthy yeah, thing yeah. that's supposed to happen. And, and too many men, and women do this too. Like, there's In like, different ways. Their mom is still their best friend, and that's yeah. not more so than their husband is, right? I mean, I would say that like a quick way to ruin your marriage is, is to still prioritize guys golf weekend every three weeks, like yeah, yeah. to the detriment. I'm not saying any of these things are Yeah, I'm not saying itself. you can't have a guy's hunting weekend away, but no, no. What, what we are saying I, is that- A really healthy relationship actually encourages that. Right. I take delight when my wife goes out and hangs out with her friends because she comes back energized in a different way than she does when she's with me. So on that note, I think another good piece of practical advice is the idea of one of the best ways to ruin your marriage is by having separate friend groups. I'm not saying that your wife's best friend's husband has to be your best friend. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that as a couple, you should cultivate. All right, let me caveat all this. You should seek out friendships with 
marriages that you admire, right? Look for mentoring relationships, all that kind of stuff. But also you can ruin your marriage by completely segregating yourself from everybody who's not in the same station in life as you. We try to do this at our church. Our small groups are comprised of singles and couples and older people and younger people and unmarrieds and marrieds and those with children and those without children. We try to do that intentionally because I think the variety of relationships are are good and, and helpful. But the point here is, is that good habits are cultivated by husbands and wives who engage in hospitality together, right? Who either invite people in or say yes to hospitable invitations. And that's my point is like do things together Don't go off and do separate things with your separate group of friends. Do those things together. It helps cultivate good habits. That's a great one. Here's another one. Good way to ruin your marriage is still put your parents' authority first. I would say this is one that actually happens more with the wives. It does, yeah. Um, But there is a ramification with men as well. Like women, when you get married, your husband needs to become the... Primary authority. Yeah. I think you said something very true. We get married way too late in life. Jonathan Edwards proposed to his wife when she was 13. And I know immediately we all were like, that's cringe. I'm not saying we should go back to that, please. But I mean, like the idea that Chris, we wait till 27, like, to, <laughs> but the idea that yeah. we wait till 27 to get married yeah. is crazy to me. I think, I mean, by God's design, he made the most fruitful years of a woman's childbearing life between the ages of, of 18 and 29, right? Let's just think through a baby making paradigm here for a moment, okay? Like generally speaking, a woman's ability to get pregnant begins to decline at 30. It doesn't necessarily mean that she can't at 30. They absolutely can, but it begins to decline at 30 so that by the time you're 40, it's very, very difficult, right? But if you look at that window, let's say a woman gets married at the age of 19 or 20. Let's just say 20, just for nice round numbers. Generally, you got 10 years of really sort of fruitful baby making time. And generally speaking, a woman who, you know, nine months to conceive, a couple months of breastfeeding, which it makes it harder. Generally, a woman gets her period back about a year after giving birth. Generally speaking, it's different for different women with different scenarios. But you're looking at essentially about two years gap, right? There's lots of people, a year and a half, all, all that kind of stuff. Let's just say, again, for the sake of argument, every year and a half to two years, you're having another child and your general baby making window is a 10 year or 12 year period, then you're looking at most Christian families ought to be somewhere between five and six kids, right? Like that's generally the window, right? And it could keep going. And I just point that out to say, this is part of the problem is when you delay that because you want to finish your school, you want to, you know, jump into a career, all this kind of stuff. And you start that process at 27, 28, let's say they get married at 27. They want a couple of years to establish themselves before they have kids or whatever. So now you're looking at 29 and you have your first kid after the age of 30. Well, you have 10 years that are not as fruitful as your first 10 years, right? And so now suddenly you have fertility issues, you have all kinds of difficulty, and maybe this is where you start looking into IVF and all those kinds of things, and suddenly you have all these moral conundrums, and part of it just had to do with the fact that you delayed marriage 10 years later than you should have. Mm. So a good way to ruin your marriage is to fight against God's good design. And I think God's good design is that people should be getting married young, people should be having babies young. Now. That's not to say, I'm not, I'm not telling you to go out and marry whatever guy you're in love with when you're 18. If that was me, I it would have worked out disastrously. But what I am saying is that this actually highlights the importance of parenting as well, because parents who are intentionally raising their children to be married when they're 19 or 20, as opposed to go off to school when they're 19 or 20, that's a very different goal. 
And so I think that there are too many parents who look and they're like, well, my 18 year old's not ready to get married. And I'd be like, well, that's on you. That's actually what you should have been doing is preparing them to be ready at that time. Yeah. We see this sometimes in the church. We've had conversations. I won't say the gentleman's name. When he was 18, 19, be like, and he, like, we always make the joke, he's going on 30. And it's right. like that idea, like if he was to come in, into the office and be like, hey, I, I actually just proposed to a girl and we're going to get married in the summer. We'd be like, yeah, he's ready to be a dad, even though he's 19. Yeah. And then we also know those 18 year olds would be like, he's 18. Like yes. I thought he was 13. Like yeah. the idea is so like, and that's parenting, right? Like, yeah. and so God's spirit working in them and whatnot. Like, so like, that's the kind of man we should be raising up to yeah. that. It's like, by the time they're 17, 18, they're kind of chomping on the bit to be dad. You know yeah, what I mean? Like that's right. And they've seen it modeled healthily to them that it's an attractive lifestyle yeah. too. Right? No, that's no, the other notice thing. what I said though. I didn't say chomping on the bit to be doing ladies. He's chomping on the bit to be a father. Yeah. And that's, you know what I mean? to- and that's totally, a totally different, different things. Thing. Yeah. The other thing that happens in marriages today is the, we got married, but we're going to have three or four years of just hanging out and having yeah. fun together. Yeah. Traveling. Before, we want to like, backpack around Europe. Exactly. Like, and like, the lie that is being spread there is that when you have kids, life is over and it's no fun. Kids ruin everything. And right. it's like, no, no, that is something that we need to put yeah. to death. That's why we have babies being murdered out of wedlock. Cause we were like, Oh, my life's over if I have a child. Yeah. Like, no, no. Like that's not the case at all. Right. All this started when you were talking about women who are clinging to the authority of their father. And I do think that there are all kinds of disrespectful things can be communicated to a woman who is being led by her husband, but has to go back and check with dad. Now, a good godly father, patriarch, continues to give advice. And quite frankly, if he's good and he's godly, they will seek his advice when it comes to major life things. Absolutely. I think that's good and fair. But a woman who can't let her husband lead until she checks with her dad, that's a woman who has not left and cleaved, right? Leave and cleave. But I would also say that part of, I think, what's going on in that scenario there is a lack of trust in terms of the husband. And fathers ought not to be giving their daughters away to men who they wouldn't be able to say, you should go back and talk to your husband about that, right? Like, I'm not your yeah. authority anymore. Because there's a reason when we do weddings, it's, it's you know, who gives this woman to be married to this man, right? It, there's a reason the father says, I do. It's because when he walks her down the aisle and takes off the veil and presents her to the husband, he is the one who is transferring the authority delegated by God to him over that girl's soul to her husband. That's not a transaction that him and his wife make. That's a transaction he and God and that man makes. Mm -hmm. And so when he says, I do, what he is saying is I transfer authority to him over her. And that's a big deal. We think that's just a traditional sort of little tidbit added to a wedding. No, no, no. That's, that's a big deal. I think we said on the last episode about the names changing. Yeah. And it's like, that's one of the reasons the last name changes. Can, you know can, I, mean? like, so, can I tell you a really good way to ruin your marriage? Don't take your husband's last name. <laughs> <laughs> just starts off in a really bad, it just, yeah. just starts off in it a just, really bad just way. Just puts you out of rock. Yeah, let's, let's fire off a couple funny ones just to finish off. So great way to ruin your marriage is always tell her to calm down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just constantly tell her to calm down. And it doesn't time. have to be calm down, <laughs> relax. Yeah. Um, like what do you do? Like yeah. any of those words are a quick way to get that yeah. to an escalated situation. Yeah. Um, um, great way to ruin your marriage. Are you really going to eat that? <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't say that. Don't, don't. Uh, no, see, I'm laughing. Uh, that's, that's yeah. Come on. You, you're, you're a funny guy. Give me I still had serious ones. I still had serious ones. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, let me think. Just make them funny then. <laughs> <laughs> I would say like, I'll make it cheeky, but it was like, I would say like, don't compare. 
You know yeah, what I mean? Like, um, right. and it's yeah. like, so don't compare him to don't don't compare him to someone else, and don't compare her to somebody else. Yeah. Absolutely. So like, to make it funny, I would say don't compare your husband to a fictional book oh, or like. Yeah. You know, I'm not right, Josh. We all Wall. fall <laughs> short of Mr. Engels from Little House on the Prairie. Dude's a man. We've been <laughs> unbelievable that you went with Little House on the Prairie. <laughs> man, so we watch one episode of Little House on the Prairie as a family every Saturday night, and our kids actually love it. But man, nothing makes me feel more motivated to become more manly than watching Mr. Engels. Like he's got it all. He's like, oh, horse is giving birth. Let me just jump in there and pull out the colt. Like, uh, oh, sorry, you you need a new barn. Let me just build that before the episode's done. <laughs> Like he can plow a field, dude can like do it all. Blacksmith, he can make shoes out of leather. I mean, the guy's just he's a man. Dude is a man. So to wrap this one up, what <laughs> Watch Little House on the Prairie. Is yes, and do everything you can to be like them. <laughs> Imitate that family. Yeah. In some ways, in some ways, yeah. Is it a Christian show? I've never actually seen it. So it's. Um, I think it's like culturally Christian. They're clearly Christians in it. They go to church, they pray, he thanks God for his harvest, all that kind of stuff. I don't know, like it's not like deep theological or anything, and he's not like super intentional with his kids in terms of discipleship, but like, yeah, they read the Bible, they pray before meals, he's teaching them good moral values, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's just a good clean wholesome show nice. at the end of the day like we even started watching a bunch of the classics like we we would watch like we watched beethoven we watched um honey i shrunk the kids and some of that stuff and man you go back to some of those classics from when we were kids and you're like there's still a lot of junk in this right oh yeah now we've learned after trying to watch the goonies fyi <laughs> We learned to pre-screen even the classics that we have fond memories of. You're destroying um, my childhood. Yeah, I'm sorry to do so, but it needed to be destroyed. <laughs> but so anyway, we were looking for something clean and wholesome. So we actually got the first season of Little House on the Prairie on DVD. And it's like 24 episodes. They're all almost an hour. So it'll last us a year at least. Okay, let me ask you a question that has nothing to do with what we've been talking about. Okay. At what age did you realize that the little kid in Goonies... Um, little Chinese kid in Googies is also the same kid out of Indiana Jones. Dr. Jones. I was right now years old. <laughs> I had no idea. You just it's, blew my mind a little bit. It just blew your mind. Yeah. It's the thing. Also, hero from the show Heroes. Seriously? No, I just made that. Oh. <laughs> I just wanted to see the look on your face because I'm sure you just saw my look. Yeah. No, is that? Yeah. No, I, I was today years old. Hero is one of the greatest characters that was ever written. No, on Peter Petrelli is obviously well, in Siler. That, like. Hero. The first season of Heroes was one of the best seasons of TV ever made. And then it went so it, like it's not like Lost, where Lost was incredible. Seasons one. Season two was incredible. Season three was still really, really good. And so it just four, slowly so went downhill. Right? No, it did. No. Four was not as good as the earlier ones. It was is, still is good. Is four the Dharma initiative? Yeah. And it started that going backwards amazing. in time. Yeah, I was a anyway. Sawyer guy, though. So, like, I like Ooh, problem. Jack and Sawyer, problem, they were my yeah. two. The, that was my jam. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, no, no, but here's my point. Is that so that slowly went downhill. There's lots of shows that slowly went downhill like that. Whereas Heroes, it was like season one was probably the best thing on TV. It's still one of the best series ever made and then season two was just immediately horrible yeah, yeah. yeah so that's a problem i'm <laughs> totally distracted now because now i have to talk about another show that was had like an amazing first season and never got picked up again did you ever watch the river yes dude was that not like an insanely good show i still have like, the guy from jurassic park in it what's the main guy's name in that 
Dr. Grant. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Grant. Yeah, Dr. Grant. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, you nailed no it, idea. Chris. Good I job. No, I have no idea. Um, like, yeah, but uh, that's a great show. I know show. Jeff Goldblum. Like, yeah, like, no, not him. Um, but yeah, man, that was a great series, eh? It was like, a great. Freaky. Yeah. I still have dreams about that, that episode with the heads on the on the tree. Dude, like, dude, like, that was so oh, creepy. All right. Um, anyway. So here, to all of our listeners. I want you to weigh in. So we're, when we post this one on social media, we don't do this enough. Like I feel like other podcasts get way more like social media interaction because they do little things like that. We're, so we're, we're going to do this. We are far too busy. This is the problem. That's fine. But yeah, so we might not respond to you, but Jared Petman will. <laughs> I want you to comment on this. Like, have you seen The River? What did you think? How good is season one of Heroes? And if you're not going to say anything good about it, just don't post. And if you don't like Lost, just unfollow. Like, Seriously, what are you doing like, with your life? The best moment in my entire TV experience. We what, have to go back. We, yes. 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 Yeah, just like, so I'm good. just like, what do you mean? I have to go back. I was freaking <laughs> out. Mind freaking blown. Out. I don't know if people know this, but the first time you walked into my house was when season six hadn't aired yet. And you walked in and what did I call you? Jack Shepard. Because when, when <laughs> Peanate has his, when he's clean shaven. Scruffy and, and buzzed like, head. Well, I guess Scruffy's all you ever are. So yeah. like Scruffy, Scruffy and had a buzzed head. But even like your look then, you had like a Green Lantern t-shirt on and jeans. It's weird that I remember that. You looked just, just like Jack Shepard. life walked in. You just remember. <laughs> that's, that's, that's so good. Uh, so after, we're going to wrap up a series on marriage by just talking about all the gayest stuff we could possibly go. <laughs> Our romance. Uh, uh, so. All right. But you looked like Jack Shepard when you, when you walked in. Thank well, you. I'll what happened? I, I love Jack Shepard. I love Jack Shepard. So I'll take that. So last little, little tidbit and then we'll close. Okay. We just talked about shows and like watching movies and stuff like that. One way to ruin your marriage is to stop dating after you get married. Totally. Like, yeah, these are the kind of conversations you should still be having yeah. with your Have spouse. Fun with your, you, exactly. It makes it sound like you and I are spouses because we're like, mm-hmm. but, but this is it. Like the, truthfully, this is how you and I became friends because our wives are sisters. And so we would all hang out. This was part of it. This was life together, right? Like, cause I love spending time with my wife. You love spending time with your wife. And so when we hang out, it's all about this. And so absolutely like those nights when like, I get it. We have kids too. We get woken up in the middle of the night, all that kind of stuff. Stay up late at night and have good conversations. If, if, if the conversation is don't, don't look at your watch and be like, Oh, it's 10 o'clock. I got to get into bed. Like date your wife. Absolutely. Make some sacrifices. Sometimes make her laugh. Try to make her laugh. Try to have like find things that interest her. Like, Anyway, still do the absolutely. things that you used yeah, to do you're right. when you're married the temptation is just like I'm going to sit here you're going to watch a show I'm going to do whatever still take times Friday nights we're watching a movie together no matter what or yeah, whatever. we're going to get ice cream stuff like that going yeah. for a walk like yeah. and I hate walking <laughs> I know you do but you do it because that's what sacrificial love looks like I was, <laughs> <laughs> anyway I was, way to bring that full circle Chris <laughs> let's wrap this up peace